All right, hey, we're going to get started out here. I'm out here today. I'm not going to be starting my sermon from in there. We're starting out here in the toy shop that's going to be open tomorrow for people coming in. How cool is that, you guys? So, you guys, last year, you guys gave uh, gifts for about 150 kids. This year, we have over 300 kids that are going to be blessed by this toy, the, the, the toy shop. And we've been in here all week long, taking a look at all the things you guys have done, all the stuff you guys have given. I mean, you go, you, you just, we just went shopping ourselves. I think that the gorilla is my favorite because it kind of serves as a, as a necklace. So you got the gorilla you got a pogo stick. I was going to open this thing up and, and start jumping around on the pogo stick. You got, you got, you got Snuggies. You got, you got dolls that are taking a poop. I mean, you got all kinds of stuff in here. And you guys, here's what's going to happen, okay? Here's what's going to happen. The Gonzalez family is going to come walking in because we've got a list of all the different families that are going to be coming in here. They're going to come in here at 4 o'clock tomorrow and they're gonna, we're going to tell them, you get to pick out three gifts per kid to do this. So they're going to pick out all these gifts. They're going to walk around for, for each of their, their family members. And then when they get done selecting all this stuff, they're going to go over to a table where the Louisville Police Department's going to be. Because this has always been something that we've done with the Louisville Police Department. So Chief Hay is going to be here. Commander Patrick's going to be here. Logan Haymore is going to be here. The guy that started this thing. That's why we call it Logan's uh, Christmas Shop. Because he started this whole thing. They're all going to be here along with about 60 of you guys. And they're going to be wrapping all these presents for these guys. And then they'll put them in a little bag. And then they'll walk out the door with them. And that'll be the beginning of their Christmas. And when you think about it, you just think about a, a, a doll like this or a little baby like this and you just go, right now it's just here in our shop, but on Christmas morning, a mom or a dad's going to be able to give that to their kid and they're going to know what's in that, that gift and, they're gonna be, and the kid's going to be able to open it and it's going to be theirs. And we love it. You guys, part of the reason why we love this so much is because it's so the heart of a scent. We want this to be a place that is over-the-top generous, and you guys have been over-the-top generous. Amanda and Amy have been the ones really kind of running this thing from behind the scenes this whole last couple of weeks, and they just came in there going, look at all the new stuff that just got brought in today. You guys have been over-the-top generous. We want this to be a place that's personal. And, and when those people come in on, on Monday and then on Wednesday and then on Thursday, when they come in, man, we are going to— we're already good at hospitality. We've got such a ridiculously good hospitality team and we've got our greeters and our people in our cafe. They're so great at this. We're gonna, we don't want to extend it just for our church. We want to extend it for anybody that comes in these doors. And so we're going to have coffee and, and we're going to have cookies. And we're going to have the Christmas music on. We want this to be a place that's very personal and we can connect with these families that are coming in. And then we want, we want this to be a place that, that, that the gospel is being spoken through so many different things. See, we believe that the gospel is bigger than just our words, that God can use any of this stuff to share his love for people. And so we're going to talk about that next week, actually, when we talk about generosity next week. But right now, we just know that this is a place, this, this whole toy shop will be a place that God will be present as families are shopping. And we're extending dignity to those families. 
We're saying you can pick out what you want out of this stuff, and we want you to have a great Christmas from it. So we're so stinking fired up about this, and, and we can't wait to see what happens this next week with it. So let's do something first. Before I start preaching today, let us, let's, let's pray for this space, because I really believe that this is holy ground. I believe that the Lord is here, and I believe that, that God is, is wanting to do something within this for the volunteers that are here, for the police department that's here, and for every family that comes through here. I believe that God's going to got something in store for them. So, so let's, let's pray for this space, you guys. God, we, we thank you that we get a, to have the resources to do a space like this. We thank you that... that you are at work and that you work so far beyond what we think can happen. And we pray that you would work in the, in the hearts and in the lives of, of our volunteers that get to see and, and, and develop and connect and build relationships with these people that are coming in. We pray that you would, you would work in the hearts of our police department our, those, those great men and women that, that have such a heart to, to serve. And, and we, we pray that you would work on their hearts as they see what's happening around here. And we pray that those families would be so blessed that they too would be asking, that might lead them to a question, something more, what is this? And that they would see you and that they would recognize who you are in the midst of all of this. So God, we thank you. What a, what, a, what a cool thing that you are doing and that we all get to be a part of. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys, if you, have, if you haven't given and you still want to, keep bringing gifts. Because here's the deal. Whatever gift is left over after Thursday, because we're doing it Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, whatever gift is left over after Thursday, we have a partnership with a pastor in Federal Heights working with that massive trailer park in Federal, Heights, Federal Heights. She's going to take all that's left over, and she says, I will give them away. To, I'll, I guarantee you I'll find families that still need some of these toys. And so we're going to give them away to, to anybody else there. So just keep bringing them in. If you felt, feel like you want to participate that way, let's just overwhelm them. Why not? Overwhelm with generosity, right? All right. I got to go in there and preach, and so we're going to cut it off out here. I, I think we should start all my sermons out here because I get to see who the late people are. I see that Jim Candy has chosen not to come to church today. Jim, stop being the donut and get into church. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right. See, you guys thought that that was recorded, but it's not. That was all live. There you go. It was live. The thing I was most nervous about was that run right there because I'd be out of breath. I am a little out of breath. Hey, you guys that are new, I'm Bill Stevens. That's the way we do all of our church sermons. All of our sermons start that way, okay? So get used to that. Um, no, we're, we love it. We love Christmas around here. We love that stuff that we're doing out there. We love you gathering together. We love this season. We love decorating the place up. I mean, Chris Lagadros, you guys, he is our middle school pastor. He is also the guy that has built everything around here. I mean, we've got Mary Winhausen is, is, a, is one of our volunteers that has put in about 500 hours of decorating in this place. And then you got Chris that has built it all. So, so we got to thank them for, I mean, for all that and everybody else that helped. I, 
I, I personally love it. I love the Christmas season. I, some of my best memories, even as a really young child, were, it, it came around the Christmas time. Um, my dad, my first memory, I think, of Christmas was when my dad would go out in our house and he would hang these old ceramic C9 balls, bulbs on our house. He'd put these up. And you guys, these are so much better than LEDs. The color is so much better. You guys that are putting LEDs on your house, you are missing out. Because this, this is really where it's at. These old C9 bulbs that get super, super hot. I plugged these in earlier today. I plugged them in and I set them on this chair and it melted the chair. It melted. Yeah. And that's what's up on my house right now. So you can pray for that. Um, But... But my dad would put these lights up on our house. And then, and then my mom would spray that snow, you know, that spray snow. She'd pray, spray those on the windows so it made it look like a snow drift, you know. Someone came up to me after the last service and said, you know, there's asbestos in those things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, great. Now we got to worry about that too. That's probably why I feel sick because of the asbestos from when I was seven. Um, when I, and I used to write, Bill is here on there. My mom wouldn't like that. But, but I just remember... Laying, laying on my bed that first night after my dad would hang those, up on, hang those lights up and looking out the window and seeing those lights and just going, tonight, everything is good. Tonight, everything is all right. Just for tonight. And then the next night, I would want to look at him again. And so I kept that tradition going. And so, I, so now at our house, we hang those lights up. We have those old, those C9 lights that are taking up weight. My, my, my bill, my electric bill is ridiculous. But we've got like 11 of these that we blow the fuses on. And they're all lined up. And they're getting really hot on my garage. But we've got them all up because I wanted my kids to have that same memory. So around every one of their windows, there are those lights. That, that just tells them, just for the night, everything's okay tonight. So that's my, that's, that's my first real memory of Christmas was that. And it just kept on going. I mean, they're in college and I still want their, those lights around their windows. I love the Christmas story. The Christmas story is, a, is such a fun story. It's a, I grew up Catholic and so I heard it every single week during that Christmas season. And, and, and to, to hear the story of, of the baby in the manger and, and God choosing that little town and God choosing that little family and God choosing that little farm for him to come into this world, I love that story. In fact, it, it's a story that I need. I feel like God did that for Bill Stevens in two, for 2,000 years later because he, he knew that that's guy, that guy's going to need something very tangible. That guy's going to need to be able to fall back on something that flat happened. That God came into this world. And so, so I love the Christmas story. But here's the deal. It's, it's a cozy story. It's a, it's a fun story. The ceramic ball, the bulbs are fun on the, on the, on the, on the house. All of that is, is, a, is a fun part of the story. But there's got to be something more. There's got to be something more than just a baby came into this world and how cute is it and oh, the virgin birth and all of that. There's got to be something more. And for some of you that have come to church for a long time, you know there's something more. You know that not only was it a baby that came into this world, but it was the savior of the world that came in. And some of you know that for sure. Yes, he was the savior of the world. But here's my question for us. 
Why is it that it's so much easier for us to grab hold of the broad statement, Jesus is the Savior of the world, and it's so much harder to grab hold of the specific statement, Jesus is the Savior of me? Why is it that we can say he's the Savior of the world, and that's why we're celebrating Christmas, because the Savior of the world has come, but yet we have trouble internalizing that for you and me. We keep it at arm's distance. We keep it cozy. We keep it, it's, 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 not, it's a nice, fresh, fun story. Do we grab hold of and do we let it sink in that the Savior, my Savior, has come into this world to save me? Do we grab hold of that? I want to talk about that today because if we're going to set ourselves up for this Christmas season and we're, we're, we're naming this series, it is time, that maybe it's time for us to recognize that this is more than a cozy story. That this is more than just a lot of the fun that we might see in the great decorations and all that. It's even more than a toy shop and people coming. It's more. The Savior of you and me has come into this world. Father, we pray that you would help us to, to grab hold of that today. And um, God, I, in the midst of all the stuff that's going on, I know that there are some people here that are in the heart of finals. We've got our college students that are, that are scrambling right now. Their brains are fried. We've got our high school students that are, are getting ready for finals. We've got, we got middle school kids that are trying to figure out how to, how to last until Christmas. And we got each one of us that are going through all kinds of stuff on our own. And we're bringing that here today. And that's on our brains. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to just plow through all of that to an opening. An opening between us and you. And what's going on in our minds and what's going on in our hearts. And speak to us there. Speak to us of who you are. Draw us closer to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I was reading this book uh, just over the last couple of weeks, and the author started talking about different parts of New York City. And he was, he was talking about how, how, you know, there's all these great things around New York, Central Park and Manhattan Island and all the, all the great stuff. And I mean, I went there with Jackie a, couple, a few years ago, and we went to Les Mis on Broadway. We love New York. I love the big city. And so, so we, you know, I, there's so many great places there. But he said there's one place that people don't go. And he says, that, he says and very few people even know that it exists. And it's kind of depressing. And so that's why a lot of people don't go there and they don't even know about it. How many of you guys know about the national debt clock in New York City? How many of you have ever seen the national debt clock in New York City? Okay, this is the national debt clock in New York City, okay? It's it's up to $20 trillion in debt, okay? The the 20, that used to be a dollar sign, but they had to take the dollar sign out to let it be numbers because now we're into the $20 $20 trillion in debt. It's 306 bulbs that's part of that clock, and they're saying that they're going to have to build a new one when we get into the quadrillion, (laughs) the quadrillion dollars in debt. And of course, it has to show your family share in that. And so you could sit there in New York City and just sit for hours watching the debt increase. You just sit there and watch it. So here's my political statement about that. No, I'm not talking about politics. I'm not doing that. (laughs) That's so wrong. Um, the, the, The author said this. He said, 
what if there was a debt clock in heaven? He said, what if there's a debt clock in heaven that is keeping track of every single thing that we have done that we now owe God for? And he says, what if it was something that, that was keeping track of the things that all of us in this world has done, but then oh, we had our own, your name here, and here's my debt that just keeps going up and up and up. See, last week, Jim, Jim came up here and he talked, about, he talked about forgiveness. And he just did a masterful job of talking about forgiveness and the need for us to forgive somebody that has hurt us. And what he said is he said, when somebody has hurt us, when somebody has done something against us, they've taken something from us and now they owe us. And it's a debt that they owe us something. And Jim, he did it su- such a great job of of. of really personalizing and say, he even gave us a piece of paper and said, write a name that you are, you're, someone owes you something. And he, and he said, write that name. And he says, he says, the first thing you have to do in forgiving them, the first thing you have to do is say, you don't owe me. You don't owe me. Man, I did that myself. I'm just sitting there and I wrote the name of the person and, and here's all, the th- I, was, I was, should tell you all the things he's done. No, I'm not going to say that. But then, he, but, but then I had to write, you don't owe me. Well, what about our debt to God? What about all the things that we have done that has taken something from God? All the choices that we have made that's, that's racking up debt, click, something else happens. Something else you've done, click, another debt. Something else happens, click, another debt. And the clock just keeps on going. Okay, he even talked about some of those things. He says, when you lose your temper with your child or when you lie and, and, and heaven groans, when you lust after someone, when you covet someone's successes or cuss someone's mistakes or the business trip that took you far away from home or the explosion of anger or the day you were needed but didn't respond or that date or that jealousy or that habit, the sins of omission, the sins of commission, the, all the different things that you maybe should have done, all the things you know you wanted to do but you didn't do. What if every one of those things just kept, the debt clock just kept on going? I thought about that and I thought, it's, it's you know, I, I want to just put something visible that we can see it. And it's like, you know, every time we mess up, I just went out and got some cash and just said, every time we mess up, more debt that we owe God. Every time we have chosen to to, to watch that thing that we, that we didn't want to watch, or every time we, ch- we chose to, to pursue that relationship we shouldn't have pursued, or every time we chose to, to, to not go to church, you know, put that on there, or, or you're, you're not paying attention to the sermon, put a couple of them on there. You're, you're, you're looking at Facebook during church, some of you guys right now. Every time you do anything, what happens if you just, just kept piling it on in the debt? is all there. Now here's what we do. This stuff is the debt that we owe God, the things that we keep doing. And then we'll go, but I gave a, a toy for the Christmas shop. That's got to do something, right? I'm going to help in the Christmas shop. That's got to do something. I, you know, I, I prayed a little bit last week. I, I I did go to church two weeks in a row. That's weird. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I, I was, 
I sang the songs that Sunday. Come on, what else can I do? There was a, there's a, there's a, I think it's Tim McGraw that sang a country song that said, that said, here's $20 for the things I did last week, and here's $20 for the things I'm going to do next week, you know? And, and, and we just keep doing that. But the problem is, we can never catch up. We can never do enough. We can't, this stuff just keeps piling up. And then we'd mess up again. It's just like, dang it. When am I ever going to at least make this balance out? And we live our life knowing that this continues to grow, knowing that it does, knowing that we're never doing enough. And so we end up with afraid faith. We end up with a faith that it's super hard to go to God with because I, how do I go to God in prayer today when I know this is what I did yesterday? How do, I, how, do I, how do I honestly serve him when I know that my pride is coming too? How do I give when I'm hoping that someone sees what I gave? You know, I, I, I brought in a toy for the toy drive. And Jackie and I went and bought something really nice. It was like 30 bucks. And I wanted the staff to see it when I walked in. No one did. And I set it down. I'm going, well, that was anonymous. It just keeps piling up. And see, the problem is, these are dollars and I'm using lighthearted. But we're talking about some deep-seated stuff. We're talking about stuff that's on our hearts that, is, that we can't get off our hearts. We're talking about stuff that we have been carrying and some shame and some guilt that we've been carrying from this stuff for years. And I cannot seem to get rid of it. Max Cicada, the guy that I was, I was reading, he says, he, says, he says this about this. He says, what happens is you turn, when this happens, you're in the middle of the, this kind of transaction with God, you either become a legalist or an atheist. He says, some of us become legalists. And listen to what he says. He says, the realization of our moral debt sends some people into a frenzy of good works. Life becomes an unending quest to do enough, to be better, to accomplish more, a pursuit of piety. We attend church, tend the sick, go on pilgrimages, go on fast, yet deep within the gnawing, is the gnawing fear, what if, having done all of that, I have not done enough? And then some of us go the other direction. And he said, it's, it's an atheist with a Christian bent. It's not, it, there's a lot of people who go, well, I'm not an atheist. I don't not believe. But they would say, well, I believe, but I just don't live that. I don't trust that. Craig Rochelle wrote a book called The Christian Atheist. Why do, we, why, do we, why do we say we're Christians but live as if Jesus didn't exist? And a lot of times we'll turn into, we'll, we'll, we'll go the other direction where Lucato says, other people respond to the list not with activity but with unbelief. They throw up their hands and walk away exasperated. No God would demand so much. He can't be pleased. He can't be satisfied. He must not exist. If he does exist, he's not worth knowing. And we live in this plight. We're trying to figure out this transaction. Let's rewind 2,700 years ago. 2,700 years ago, there was a prophet, Isaiah, that was writing to a, to a group of people that were, he was saying, look, here's God's plan. So you got to understand God's plan. Here's what's about to happen. 
And part of what he wrote in his book was what Maurice read this morning. That, uh, that here, a wonderful counselor is coming. Almighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. He is coming. We got to be ready for him to come. But at the same time, he brings the dilemma. In Isaiah 59, he says this. This is our dilemma. Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Your iniquities have separated from your God. This is the problem. The problem is the stuff we have done isn't just piling up debt. It's separating us from a perfect God. That's a problem. So he lays that out. And then for the next 700 years... This is when you hear that people talk about this is when God was silent. For the next 700 years, people sat waiting, hoping that what what Isaiah prophesied about, that the Messiah would come, that a Savior would come and save them from the mess. A lot of them were thinking, just save us from Roman oppression. But they were hoping that someone would come. And some, two things would happen. Some would turn into legalists. They would do everything they can to make it right. And they would follow every single law. And they'd read some of the old Mosaic laws in the Old Testament. And they'd read those and they'd go, we got to do those exactly right. And they'd make rules on those rules and on those rules so that they could do that exactly right. So that they could try to keep as much of this debt from happening in this pile. They would just keep doing that. Others walked away. They said, forget it. This isn't worth it. And that was happening for hundreds of of years. Let's fast forward back up 2,700 years to present day. Are we not doing the same thing? Oh yes, in between there, a baby was born. But that's a cozy story. Are we still not doing the exact same thing? Are we still not looking at God and just going, what's the transaction looking like today? What's the ledger look like today? What's the debt clock look like today? Are we not doing the same thing? Are we still not carrying, are we, are we still carrying the things that we have done from years and years before? I can't tell you how many times doing college ministry, I sat in my office with a college student that could not get it, that didn't, that just said, I don't understand how it can be anything but this and the guilt that they would have and the, and the shame that they would have over a decision they made the week before or three years before. And then you start doing ministry outside of just college students, you start going, how many of us are doing the exact same thing? We're carrying guilt. We're carrying shame. We're trying to fix a debt. And all the time we're saying Jesus is the savior of the world. I just don't know if he saved me. Now we rewind 2,000 years ago to a baby being born. Paul writes about this years later. In Galatians chapter 4, he looks back at this and he says this. He says, when the right time came, when the right time came, see, God saw all of this that was going on. Max Lucado, he says, he says, in the cellar of your hearts lurks the ghost of yesterday's sins. Yesterday's sins were lingering. They're lingering. 
They are now and they were then. And God saw all that was lingering, the ghosts of yesterday's sins, and he's going, now, now is the right time in the midst of this mess, in the midst of all the stuff these guys are trying to do, and they cannot do it because they cannot fix that problem. Now is the time. Now is the right time. See, when you start thinking about it that way, when you start thinking about how of all those years and all that stuff and the plight that Isaiah puts, talks about, the iniquities that have separated us from God, when you think about all of that and then you start reading the Christmas story, now all of a sudden, see how much more this comes alive. You start reading the Christmas story and the joy that comes around the Christmas story and you just go, how much is God bursting because he can't wait to say, I'm going to fix this problem and it's going to happen right now as I come to this earth as a baby. In John, it says, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. That word grace is the undeserved pardon of sin. It's the undeserved pardon of sin through Jesus' death on the cross. That's grace. And John's going, God came and made his dwelling with us and he's filled with the undeserved pardon of all the things that we had ever done and or ever will do, of all the debt that we think that we're, we're piling up, of the debt clock in heaven that you, we think just keeps on ticking. He's come and he's going, man, he's filled with grace and truth. And so when you think about that and you think God has set this table and he's ready, now think about how excited God is at this point. Not just to walk into this earth and have this nice cozy story. How excited is God for us, for him to to send his angel and to say, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus and he will be great and he'll be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end How much fun does God have saying that? We look at that and go, I don't get the angel's peace. And that's just God just going, come on. This is me getting to tell him. I've been waiting for this moment to do this. When Paul's looking back, we go back to what Paul was saying. Because because Paul, when he said that when the time was right, this is when he was writing these people in Galatia, he says, God sent his son, born of a woman, Subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. So he says, look it, my son is being born right into the heart of this. I know that you are slaves to the law. You are trying everything you can to fix it. And in the meantime, you are carrying all of it. And he's saying... Jesus came in that moment to set us free from it. From anything that we had done and anything that we will do. In that moment, at that time, when, when he chose that place, he chose that little family, he chose that little farm, it's for to set us free from this. And he said, he said, it will be no more. And he just took the debt 
And he said, there will be no more debt. He said, I'm going to wipe it clean. I'm going to wipe it clean. That's why Paul says in Romans, in Romans chapter 8, he says, but he says there, there, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so he's saying that, he's going, look, there's not some, there's not a little bit, there's not, yeah, but what about that thing? He says there's no condemnation. What would be there to condemn? Because I have set it free. What would be there to condemn? It says says this, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. It's removed. As far as the east is from the west, as far as you can picture I have taken that away. Yet how many of us still live with the ghosts of the things that we have done that come out at the most inopportune times and they just come to the surface because they're living in the cellar of our heart. You guys, the cellar of our heart is not as far as the east is from the west. The cellar of our heart is still right there. And he is saying, as far as the east is from the west, I have removed your transgressions from us. And then look what he says here. Come, let's talk this over, says the Lord. No matter how deep the stain of your sin, I can take it out and make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. To make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. I love that because that's that's my prayer for this time of the year for all of us. That you would see the snow fall at some point and you'd look out the window at it and you'd go as fresh and clean as that fallen snow. See, a lot of us feel like, okay, God, you, you've removed those transgressions, but the residue is still there. And, 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 and God is just going, no, no, the, the, not even the residue. Not even the residue. Honestly. But what about that one night? But what about... That one time that hurt that person so badly that the repercussions for that has changed and altered my life. What about that decision that every single time I see somebody else and the joy that they have and the things that they have, that decision that I have has ruined all of that? What about that, that moment but I so desperately wanted to follow you, but I chose exactly the opposite way. I've wiped it clean. He's saying there's nothing, nothing left. Max Lucado writes in this, and he says, our debt is enough to sink us. God loves us too much to leave us, so God has found a way to save us. Gone is the fear of falling short. Gone is the anxious quest for right behavior. Gone are the nagging questions, have I done enough? Am I good enough? Will I achieve enough? The legalist finds rest, and the atheist finds hope. So Paul's looking back, 
He's going, that's what happened on that Christmas night when, when God came into this world. And then he says this, look, even though you still might go, but this is still a transaction. He's wiped it clean, but it's still a transaction. God's going, but there's something even more. And look what he says. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. So he could adopt us as his very own children. He did all that so that he could adopt us as his children. We think of adoption as adopting little kids, but back in the Roman Empire during that time, they weren't adopting little kids, they were adopting adults. They were adopting adults because they would look at their kids and they're going, man, you're, you're, I don't want to give you my inheritance. I want to give it to somebody else that deserves it better than you. So they would, they would adopt an adult that they could give that to. I'm thinking about doing that with my kids. So just to get, adopt an adult and give it to you. My kids are going, you don't have any inheritance, Dad. Um, they, but they look at it and they go, they, they, would adopt, they would adopt an adult. And so for us, you guys, we got to recognize this. He looks at you and me, adult, warts and all, all the missteps, all the junk. And he's going, I've wiped it clean. And I'll call you my sons and daughters because I want that to be a relationship. See, God did all of that so that we would be freed from this and be in relationship with him. How important was this for him? I heard Andy Stanley say this once. He said, he said it was so important that he gave us Christmas. It was so important for God to fix the problem that Isaiah said that he gave us Christmas. It was so important to, to, to take those ghosts in the, in, the, in the cellars of our hearts and release them that he gave us Christmas. It was so important to grab hold of people that were unable to see his joy because we are so stuck in our shame and our guilt that he gave us Christmas. Jim and I have titled this this series, we, we say it's time. And we believe that it's time. It's time during this season to, to address some of the things that maybe we haven't addressed for a while. And that's why Jim talked last week about forgiving somebody else. It's time to address those things. And we believe it's time to address the ghosts in your heart. It's time to address the shame that you might walk with. It's time to address the guilt that you feel. It's time to address the battle that you face and the transactional way that we look at God. It's time to address that and say, man, I have wiped that clean. There's no more debt clock. It's time to hear the words from God when he's saying to you and me, you owe me nothing. A price was paid. His son died on the cross for us. And he's saying, you don't owe me anything now. It's time. Father, we pray that, that today in the heart of, uh, of our lives that we would open cellar doors 
Doors that we have, we have kept shut intentionally because it's, there's too much pain there. When we'd open cellar doors, and those ghosts would be set free so that we can be set free. God, we pray that, that you would help us to recognize that this story isn't just a cozy story, but this story is a story that saves us. God, while some of us might say that the Savior of the world has come, this Christmas, I pray that we would be also be able to say the Savior of you and me has come. God, help us to live in that truth so that we don't keep battling the debt, but we live in your grace, in your love, and your forgiveness. We pray that this Christmas season for all of us. In your name we pray, amen.